Well, it's good to be here. It's been a while. Um, my name's Dan Elwert. Um, been coming here for about five years now, and uh, I, I like Pastor's message this morning when he was talking about James, and he said, uh, um, "Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds." And, I was saying, you know, a lot of you guys ask me all the time, how's things going? i, I got to start telling you, it's pure joy. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is. You know, I, I just feel so privileged that Pastor even asked me to come today. He asked me a couple months ago, and I knew instantly what I wanted to talk about. Um, cafe community was one thing. No, no, no. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about how precious life is. The Lord has just brought that home to me so many times in his last year. And so, but, you know, we're so privileged that we have a pastor that even allows a person like me. I'm not like a trained preacher or anything like that. And just come and share some things that the Lord has been doing in my life with you. Um For those of you who don't know me, I, I was diagnosed with kidney failure a few months ago, and uh, that really changes your life. You know, all of a sudden, you know, you're doing one thing, and the next thing you know, every other day, you know, you're spending five hours a day getting kidney dialysis, and uh, your thoughts start changing a little bit more on on your priorities in life and and what you think, but. I, what I want to start before I get into the message is just to thank you guys. I've like been overwhelmed by you guys. I, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what to think about it all. When I started having to go through dialysis treatments, you have to go there every other day, and uh, it takes quite a long time. And my daughters were taking me all the time, and they were skipping work. The first three weeks, they were skipping work and taking me and. And then some people said, hey, you know, we can take you. And uh, next thing I know, Tracy Carrico um, said, well, I, I'll do the scheduling for you. I'm like, what in the world is this all about, you know? So, like, we got a whole group of people. And I'm amazed. Like, every time I go into dialysis, I, I sit down at the stairs in the morning at my apartment building, and I don't know who's going to come, you know? And, but they always do. Well, my daughters and Tracy, they know. They all have it all planned out. But I'm, I'm like, wow, you know. And so I get a good opportunity to spend some time with you guys and on the way there and back. And some of you stay. And, and it's been a real blessing to me. You've been a real encouragement to me. You know, when I first got saved about 27 years ago, and I first started reading the Bible as a Christian, I just was amazed. I started out reading Genesis. I want to go through the whole Bible. And I was just amazed by um, the miracles in the Old Testament. I thought, man, you know, I'd love to be around a time when they had miracles. You know, that would be really cool, you know. But then I got to this one part in the Old Testament. They had this tribe, and it was my name, Dan, the tribe of Dan. And this tribe, they were like me, you know. They were like complaining about some things. And the next thing you know, God, he just like opened the ground and all the guys, the girls, the family, the animals, all their possessions, he just went into the ground and closed up. 
I thought, you know what, maybe I don't want to be around that time, you know. <laughs> I'm glad God is a little bit more long-suffering today, you know, because <laughs> I think about times that I complain. And then I think about the times of Christ, and you think, wouldn't it be great to be around when Christ was here? Because, you know, you could just see the miracles he performed, and that would be just wonderful. But, you know, I've come to the conclusion that I'd only be an observer I'd be there, and I'd just be an observer. I wouldn't be part of what was going on. I just could watch it. The best part of my life that I've come to the conclusion is, is living right now. God has put me here in this church, in this time, to be part of something that, that's not just reading about how great God is. I'm experiencing how great God is. You know, um, I see each one of you, and you're all doing your thing and helping out and, and in your own way. And it's such a blessing. And even like through my trials and tribulations, this is the time I want to be in. I see God working in our midst here. You know, I'm not just reading about some miracle that happened in the Old Testament. Don't get me wrong. I like reading about that. But I'm actually seeing you guys. You're living God's Word and it's just so exciting to me to be a part of that today, and such a blessing it is to me. Um, I did want to thank Tracy especially. Uh, I don't know why she got it in her mind to do this, but it's been such a blessing. But another thing she decided to do, you know, I've been trying to get disability, and uh, you know, it's in the government. It's like a long process, and they called me up the other day and said, you know. Um, I know you applied for disability. This is like about a year and a half ago. And I just want you to let you know, you know, that you're in the queue, and we're going to consider uh, your disability, and it takes about 24 months before we even look at your thing, you know. I'm like, what, I have to die first, you know? But um, Anyhow, Tracy got it in her head for some odd reason that she wanted to call my legislature's. And I knew she she was calling my legislators. She says I started getting phone calls. Hi, this is this is uh, Sandra Levin's office. You know, I just wanted to let you know that uh, we're working on your case. And I got about three calls like within a day. So, thank you for that, Tracy. Another person. I mean, there's so many of you. I started thinking. You know, Pastor does this thing where he goes through a list of people that are a blessing to the church, and I started listing the thing down, and I thought, well, I wouldn't be able to have the message because the message would be you guys. But just some people I want to thank. I want to thank Michael Kipros. He has been such a blessing to me in the audio area. You know, he's, he's kind of an unassuming guy. He's happy-go-lucky, and uh, he's always here. The thing that's impressed me about him, like, I'm real intense when I'm under pressure. I'd be a horrible brain surgeon. I'm like two days... <laughs> Two days later, you know, I'd be like, oh, my goodness, I forgot to cut that. You know, but <laughs> Mike, he just comes in, and he's just, like, easy going, and, you know, he's got everything under control. And I'm there in the morning, you know, trying to set up for audio, and I'm real, pretty quick with people, unfortunately. It's, and he's like, hey, it's all right. You know, he comes in, and he turns the buttons and everything. And, you know, the thing about Mike is he's, like, been so faithful. I've known him. Since like the come to church here, and he's like clockwork. He's just here all the time, and it doesn't seem like anything phases him. And I just appreciate people like him that do that. Jim and Janet Sturgill are another group, you know, and uh, uh, um, 
Betty Young and uh, uh, Danita Stepp, a lot of people that get ready for Cafe Community, all the people that do setup. I mean, if I went through everybody, it's just like these people are here. When I came in today, I got here late. I wanted to come here early to help set up, and I got here about 50 minutes late, and like the whole parking lot's full of people, and people are scurrying around and setting up. It's just such a blessing to me, you know. You guys are like my family. Um, I've been a Christian for 27 years, and I've always been taught, you know, that the church is like a family. And I've gone through a lot of different struggles in my life. I've never really known what the true meaning of the church being a family until I started coming to this church. You guys, you just amaze me. I just, sometimes I can't even think what to say, you know, because you're such a blessing. It's like, why do you, you know, like um, Tony and Andrea, hey, we're coming to pick you up Monday, and we're going to spend some time with you. I'm like, why are they excited about going to dialysis? You know? <laughs> But like a lot of you are like that. It's like, what in the world is this all about, you know? I'm thinking, what a drudgery, you know? You go in there, and I got I got a couple tubes sticking through my arteries, and and then I got blood all over the place, and they're like, yeah, I can't wait to come. We're gonna come pick you up, you know? Like, what in the world? So I I, I you know I I think sometimes like Mary when he, she got hit with all this stuff about she's gonna be Jesus's mother and. And it said she pondered these things in her heart. And I think that's about the only thing he can do is just, I don't even know how to how to come to a conclusion of all this stuff. It's like, why is people like this to me, you know? It just, it's just such a blessing. But that's not my message. My, I just want to thank you, though, for everything you've done and for the prayers and, and just all the things. I mean, it's just countless. I just love it. Um, you've been a great testimony to our family, too, you know. Uh, maybe I'll just talk a little bit longer, but you know, a lot of times when people have trials, especially at a funeral, people say, let me know if there's anything I can do. I've said the same thing. We just kind of say it, you know. It's kind of like, have a nice day. You know, I mean, you mean it, but nobody ever calls you up on it, you know. You guys are like, you don't say, let me know if there's anything I can do. It's like, what can I do for you? And I'm going to do something for you. You know, it's like, what in the world? There's quite a difference. And uh, I just love you for it. Thank you. When Pastor asked me a few months back, you know, about doing a Sunday school lesson, I knew right away I wanted to talk about how precious life is. You know, the other day I went to Mike Garner's aunt's funeral. And I've been to tons of funerals in my life. And it was a very nice one. He did a great job and talked about how great his aunt was and so on and so forth, you know. And uh, and that's a good time to do that. But I just want to relate a couple things to you um, on how precious life is. Um, when I was in dialysis about a month ago, talking to somebody in a waiting room, there was a young guy who's about 31 years old. And I said, you know, how did you come to have a kidney problem. and He said, you know, I went to my kitchen to get something to eat one day. And he said, the next thing I know, 12 hours later, I woke up, I'm laying on the floor. He said, my arm and my legs paralyzed. He said, I didn't know what happened. He says, I, I, I could barely get to the phone to call emergency myself. Nobody was there. Nobody even knew he was missing. 
And uh, he found out he had had a heart attack, his had kidney failure, his right leg and his left arm, or uh, vice versa, were paralyzed. This guy's family, everybody he knew, lived in Arizona. So he spent two weeks in the hospital by himself, not even knowing what was going on, whether he's going to live or die. I thought, holy mackerel, you know. Um, sometimes we take for granted about our life that it's just going to go on like it did before. Um, you know, Bob's step has been a real integral part here, him and his wife, Tanita, like many of you, doing setup. And uh, I remember few months back, um, Bob was telling me about he, he had worked for this company that had changed hands like four times. He kept the same job, but he was bought out like four times. And him and his boss and his buddies all kind of worked together. But one day, he got a call and um, said that his boss had had a sudden heart attack and died. And I remember what a shock it was to Bob. You just could tell, you know, that... You know, all of a sudden, what he had been doing for 12 or 13 years and uh, going through all these trials and changes and everything, and all of a sudden, one of the key people in his work life had passed away, and uh, things were a lot different after that. My own self, two years ago, you know, I was a chiropractor and in practice. I have a good family, big family. I love going to church and... Um, just like this recent Christmas, I was coming home from my son's uh, house Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. We were just driving home, just like you guys would drive home today when you get out of the driveway. And uh, I had a great time. It's always good to be with my grandchildren. I have 16 grandchildren. and um, You know, it's just joy to be around my family. And we are just going home. And I'm in the car, and I said to Sheer, my daughter, I said, Sheer, my arm hurts. And that was it. The next thing I knew, I was in the hospital. The doctor's asking me, do you know where you're at? I'm like, what in the world? And I thought about that, and I've thought about some of these things that, you know, sometimes you think that you're going to do things later on. You know, you kind of put it off. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm saved, so. Uh, but I thought, you know, people will say, you know, when I get things straighten around, I'm going to get things right with the Lord. You know what? I had about four seconds, and my life didn't flash through me, through me like they tell you, you know. It's just like my arm hurts, and then the next thing I know, I'm in the hospital. I have no idea how long it was later. Or this guy that went to get something to eat in the kitchen. How many times have you gone to eat something in the kitchen? I know a lot of you do that quite often, but uh, <laughs> I know I do. That's... It's either cafe community or the kitchen. But, um, but you know, the guy just went to the kitchen to get something to eat, and the next thing you know, he wakes up 12 hours later. He didn't have a chance to even think about what it would be like to get things right with the Lord. And, you know, in these last two months, I've had a lot of different experiences like that. When I was in dialysis, you know, it seems like, oh, dialysis is like just getting a treatment. You know, it's a life-threatening thing. Every time they bring your blood out, stick it into a machine. And, uh, you know, some people have been getting dialysis for years. But I was, uh, you're in this room, you know, and there's there all these recliner chairs where you're all hooked up to these machines. And they have a couple beds. 
And I'm sitting in my recliner chair the other day, a couple days ago, and the lady next to me is in a bed, and I've seen her for like two months, come in every other day. And, uh, of course, we're kind of half asleep, and they're, you know, doing something to bide the time. And I hear her, she's like, oh, I'm cramping, you know. Well, sometimes if they had the blood going too fast through you, you get you get cramps, which I've had before, and it really hurts a lot, and they have to come and readjust the machine. She said, i got to go to the bathroom. So they took her to the bathroom, and she come back, and she's talking, and her and her friend were talking about what kind of foods they like to get away with, how they like to cheat, you know, on this diet. You're supposed to be on. And the next thing I know, hey! And all of a sudden, the nurses start coming around, and she, like, stopped breathing for, like, about ten minutes, you know. And uh, that was it. She was gone. I mean, she was just like right here, right here next to me. And I know that when she came in that day to have dialysis treatment, she had no intention of that happening to her, but yet it happened to her. Well, these people are sick, you know. Well, so Friday, you know, we were trying to just kind of get through that again. I've been having some successful dialysis treatments. And uh, I think Larry Charbonneau was with me that time. And I'm getting ready to leave, and all of a sudden, hey, hey! And all of a sudden, they run over to this guy, and his heart stops beating, and they're giving him CPR and everything. And I said, man, what kind of thing is that? Well, like Larry can tell you out in the reception room, it says if you miss one dialysis treatment in a month, you're more likely to, you're 50% more likely to die in two years. If you cut your dialysis treatment short more than two times in a month, you're 25% more likely to die. I'm thinking, holy mackerel, I've had like 22 dialysis treatments, and I've only had five that have been <laughs> that have been on time. All the rest of them have been shortened, you know. So, you know, you start thinking about stuff like that. You start thinking about how short, precious life is. I know you've all had experiences like that. I know some of the procedures that I've had done to me. It's like, you don't think about dying. I'm a young guy. i got my life ahead of me. And, they, you know, before they do these procedures for you, they come in with the paperwork and say, here, sign this, sign this. Uh, there's just going to be some side effects. You know, it's nothing big. Just It's something you got to do. you got to, like, about one minute before. Uh, you could die. We could accidentally cut your nerve. We could accidentally cause a heart attack. We could accidentally puncture your lung. Just sign this. And you're like, oh, yeah. you know. And I'm thinking that as they wheel me into this thing and start covering me up with these sheets and stuff, I could die in this stupid thing. And I start thinking, Lord, you know, just forgive me for anything I've done. I, I don't even know if I'm going to be living in the next few minutes. And I think, you know, why do we think like that when we're under crisis and we don't think about it when things are going good in our life? I remember when my son was in Iraq, every day I prayed for him, day and night, wake up in the middle of the night, watching the news, just hoping he'd be all right. And, uh, you know, he's home now, and I do think about him, I do pray for him, but I don't think about him every day like I did before. And why do we do that, you know? Why do we give a eulogy about a person's life when they're dead? Why don't we do that when they're alive? And then I started thinking about that more, and I thought, you know what? 
Um, why do we why do we think about living for the Lord all the time instead of some of the time? The Bible says in James, now you now listen, you say, Today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You know, you all probably seen a teapot and you see how it makes that little mist in front of the thing. And that thing just lasts a fraction of a second, you know. And James says, that's the way our life is. It's just like a mist. It's just like that lady that was in dialysis next to me. Going through a procedure, she was used to it, been doing it for a long time, and the next thing you know, she's gone. You know? Or this guy that went to the refrigerator to get something to eat. Our life is like a mist. It's like a vapor, as the King James Version says. It just lasts for just a short time. And we only have so much time in our life to do what's right and do what's right by God. And we spend so much time. Why do we spend so much time in our life worrying about what we shouldn't do when we should be spending our days bringing honor to glory to God? I've come to think that we spend a lot of time, if you're a Christian, you spend a lot of time reacting to the gospel. You know, maybe you hear something today and you think, oh, man, I need to do that, but I... Yeah, I wish I was a better Christian. I wish I was more faithful in reading the Bible. I wish I was more faithful in prayer. And you go away and you react to the Bible, you know, thinking, man, I need to do that. But why do we do that? Um, you know, if you had a child and you're always on them all the time for doing what's right, you know, it's like a drudgery to you and it's a drudgery to the child. You know, you're always on their case and... Uh, it's just not a joyful thing. Versus, you know, what would you rather have, like a child that obeys you, does what they're supposed to? And it's like a great joy to see them doing what's right. I know as my children grew up and got married, one of my joys is seeing them live for the Lord, go to church, then have kids of their own and trying to raise their kids in a godly environment. I mean, that's a joy. But there was times when some of my kids were kind of rebellious and they didn't do what they were supposed to. I still loved them. I prayed for them. But it was like a heartache for them, a heartache for me and my wife, you know. Sometimes they'd leave our house after visiting and we'd cry about the whole thing because we talked and pleaded and prayed and, you know, they didn't want to live for God and it was a horrible thing. And yet that's the way we are to God sometimes, that... We're like a child sometimes that's, God's always saying, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. You know, it says he disciplines us. And sometimes we reluctantly do it because we know we have to. Versus, why don't we just live for God the way that we're supposed to? And look to see what we can do to please God. You know, and if you, I've had, I had nine kids and they're all different. But, you know, some of them did things to please us. I don't think they like consciously did it. They just they lived their life and they pleased us. And others, it seems like every time they turn around, they did stuff to get over the gray area, you know, go over the edge and see how much they could get away with and stuff. And what a difference. But anyhow, James says we're like a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes away.
Um, some of you are thinking, well, you know, I'm already saved, so you know, I don't have to wait to get right with God. But there's other things that we deal with. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. When I was a young boy, I was a Catholic, and I used to be an altar boy. And I, 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 almost every Saturday, I went to some funeral that we had. And, and one of the things I observed as a young lad going to these funerals, there was always some woman at the funeral, at, at the grave site, when I used to do it like that, flinging on the casket and moaning and wailing and, you know, and... And, of course, as a kid, I'm just, like, observing this stuff. And I, and it wasn't the people that, like, got along with their mom or dad real good. Those usually aren't the people that are moaning and wailing. It was the ones that had a big fight with their parents and hadn't talked to them for ten years or whatever. Some stupid thing. I remember my brother-in-law's family, they were a real close family, and they had a funeral one time. And uh, they got in a big argument about who was going to get the flowers. They didn't talk to each other for about 12 years, you know. And when I remember going to these funerals, and the people that didn't have things right were all of a sudden realized that they never going to have a chance to talk to that person. They didn't have a chance to talk to their dad again and ask him to forgive them for what they did. Um, fortunately, in the last years of my parents' life, we got along real well, and when my dad passed away, it was very sad, but it, we weren't sorrowful that we hadn't told him that we loved him and that we cared for him. But, you know, maybe you haven't had that kind of problem. Maybe you're the kind of person like me. I was a chiropractor, and I had a lot of good patients, but this one patient I had, he was about 80 years old, and him and I, we just got along so good. I just so looked forward to seeing him come to the office and taking care of him. He was like a grandfather to me. And we just shared so many things. And, and one day, my receptionist said, you know, Dr. Elward, one of the, one of the uh, somebody wants to come t- say something to you. So here comes this man's daughters. Dr. Elward, you know, my dad loved you so much, and I know he really talked about you a lot. And, I just want to tell you, now, you know, that he really appreciated the care that you gave him, but he, he died, you know, last week. I go, oh, my gosh. And they left, and I started thinking about that. It just started sinking in. And I realized, I, I wasn't thinking, man, that was, I'm sorry I didn't get to say goodbye to him, or I really appreciate the good life that we had together. You know what I was thinking about? I never even told him I was a Christian. I never even told them how God loved me and how I loved being a Christian. I never even sh- I shared everything else with them, but I never shared that with them. And as it set in with me that this man is gone and I could never tell him about how I love God, it just really shook my life, you know. I've tried to do better since, but, you know, maybe that's happened to you. Some of you, you know, might be thinking, well, you know, you don't understand what my kids have done to me. You don't understand what I've been through, my husband or my, my wife. You don't know what they've done to me. I could never forgive them. But you know what? When tragedy comes, all of a sudden we forget about all that stuff. My mom, 
she helped a lot of people in her life. But and she came from a big family too. But you know, as the big families go, they kind of got apart as time went on, and they had a few little spats about some stupid things. And so they all had their own little ways that they went. In the last two months my mom was alive, she knew she was dying of cancer. And all of a sudden, her brothers and sisters started coming around. And, and we had like a party at my sister's house every day. Her brothers and sisters came around, and they, instead of all these little arguments they used to have and didn't want to talk to each other about different things, they realized she didn't have much longer to live. And they forgot about all that. And as a kid, there's two times in my mom's life when I remember she was truly happy. One when I was a little kid, I remember cleaning the house, and she was singing. And when she, before she died, her brothers and sisters were like brothers and sisters again. They forgot about all the stupid, trivial junk. Who got the flowers? Or your mom like you better than me? All this kind of stuff. And they just started being brothers and sisters again. And they started sharing all the funny things that they did in their life. And it was just great. I just loved being around it because everybody was so happy that they didn't have those stupid barriers that we build with each other. Um, They were just honest with each other and thankful for each other. And I think, why do we do stuff like that? You know, as Christians... Romans says, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. You know, this is stuff that we can do nowadays. It's not just a word. It's not just some words in the Bible. God's telling us this is what we need to do to have a good life. And we don't need to wait until a month before the person dies. Or like this lady in, in dialysis, she didn't even have two months. There was nobody that was by her. Some, she hired somebody to come and pick her up. And, uh, you know, how often we waste our opportunities. The Bible says, dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. I've written both of you. This is in Peter. As a reminder to you to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past. It says, first of all, you must understand in the last days scoffers will come, following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers die, everything goes on as it has. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Since everything will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be? And this is the thing we need to think about. What kind of people should we be if there's going to come a time when the Lord is going to come back? It says you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. That's what we're supposed to be doing before the Lord comes. We're supposed to make every effort to be spotless and blameless. We're not supposed to be 
coming into church on Sunday all dressed up and smiling faces, and then we go home and we're mad at each other because they made us late to church or, you know, they didn't, didn't forgot to turn the roast on or we haven't talked to our mom and dad for years because, you know, they, they hurt our feelings or something like that. Um, I've been a Christian for a long time. And, uh, you know, if you come to this church, you know, one of the main things that pastor teaches is that we're supposed to bring honor and glory to God. And yet, how much of our day is spent actually doing something to bring honor and glory to God? If we were honest, I think you'd say that a lot of our day is spent on just getting through the day. Getting up, going to work, fighting traffic, dealing with work problems, coming home, taking today for Take today, for instance. Before you came to church, were you arguing with your spouse or upset you had to get up today? How much thought did you put on what you could do to please God today? When's the last time you told your husband or your wife that you love them, you know, other than on your anniversary? Uh, You know, we used to do it when we were dating. You know, we couldn't hardly wait to see each other. I remember my kids' phone bills, mine too. You know, they were atrocious, you know. What were we talking about? Nothing, just, you know, a lot of pauses and just wanted to hear their voice, just want to be with them, just want to be near them. And then we get married and all of a sudden, you know, life goes on. We have kids, we got a job, we got responsibilities, and we forget to say thanks to people. And as I was sitting in the funeral home with Mike's aunt, thinking about all the wonderful things they said about her, and I thought, you know, nothing against her, but I was just thinking, you know, why do we wait until a person dies to say something nice? Wouldn't it be nicer if you told that to the person while they were alive? You know, you say, well, you know, people should know that. I don't think so. You know, I've talked to some of you. Some of you are having your own struggles. You know, your struggles are not public like mine are, but they're more private. And I've talked to a bunch of you. You're silent sufferers in the church. And I know some of you said, you know, my kids don't even think I'm sick. You know, they see me and they say, oh, you look so good, Mom and Dad. And then, you know, they go, and then I see them on the next holiday or something. When was the last time you told your mom or your dad or your aunt or your uncle that you love them? What about your kids? You know, we, we spend so much time trying to raise our kids, and sometimes it's a struggle, and we've got to deal with school and, you know, just discipline issues and stuff. And when was the last time you told your kids, you know, I love you guys. You know, you, re- you mean so much to me. My life would, would be so different if you guys weren't around here, you know. And I think we need to do that more. I, I think we need to think about who, we, who the Lord has given us to have relations with. And we need to say, you know, when was the last time that we told them that we love them? Because... If we don't do that to our own family, we're not going to do that to God. It's going to be so awkward for us to say, Lord, I love you. You've done so much for me. Because you don't even do it to your own people that are flesh and blood that are close to you that you even know. And so if I yes, you could walk away from here today, that would be one thing that I'd want you to think about is before you even leave church today, before, before an hour passes from church being over, you call your mom and dad or you call your aunt or uncle. You tell them, I, I love you. You know, I, I, I haven't told you lately, but I really appreciate 
Because you don't know if they're going to be around one minute from now. You have no... The Bible says your life is like a mist. Just like that. And the next thing is it's gone. And that's too late after that. It's too late to say you're sorry. It's too late to say, you know, you were a pretty good kid overall. I really like what you do. So, I kind of was trying to think of... Uh, the tombstones, you know, like some things that you read on a tombstone, you know. And so I was thinking about something that you probably won't see on a tombstone. I wish I spent more time away from my family. You probably won't see that on somebody's tombstone. It's so crazy, you know. We get into a rut. We have a job. We come home. We can't wait to turn on TV. Our kids, hey, Dad, you know. And we just don't have time for it because we got to watch MacGyver or some some program that's on you that's really important for us to watch. Or like me, you know, I zone out when I watch TV. My kids make fun of me sometimes because they're like, hey, that, hey, that, you know. And I'm like so intense because it's so important. But So you probably would never see this on a tombstone. I wish I spent more time away from my family. I wish I would have watched more TV. <laughs> you, you won't see that either. Visiting my parents just on holidays and birthday was plenty. You know, I remember several years ago, my dad passed away in 99, but I remember he had a heart attack. And I remember going in the hospital and seeing him, and I just wanted to hug him, you know, and just tell him how much I loved him. I'm so thankful he made it, made it through the surgery. And I just, you know, just loved him, you know. It was but a few years later. He had a stroke, and he couldn't talk to us anymore. And he was gone. I almost give about anything today to say hi to my dad. Sometimes I'm reading a paper, talking about something. I think, i got to call dad up and tell him about this thing. And he's not there. Why do we do that? Why do we wait until it's too late to tell people stuff like that? You know, sometimes you get into this rut. You know, you got so busy, and you're growing up, and your kids are growing up, and you got sports and all this kind of stuff, and you end up just seeing your parents on holidays. You know, and of course they love seeing you. But why do we do that? Sometimes I've heard this, the way I was treated by my brothers and sisters when I was young is something I can never forgive. Why can't we forgive it? You know, look at us. Look at the ugliness that we had. God forgave us for everything that we did. And He continues to forgive us. We can forgive anybody. If, if God, who didn't even do anything wrong, forgave us, then what little harm we had we should be able to forgive people too. I'm glad I wasn't interested in my children's activities. Um, if anything, you're going to wish you did more. You wish you was more and more of the stuff that they did, and uh, the little pictures that they drew. You're more interested. I, I told my wife I loved her way too much. You know, I just say, 
I don't think anybody would be guilty of that. It was important that I thought more of what my friends thought than pleasing God. Sometimes we're like that too. You know, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to hurt their feelings. But what about God's feelings? It was important I didn't offend my children. Sometimes we're into that today. By telling them what they were look, doing was not right. Sometimes we're afraid to tell our kids that they're not doing so. What they're doing is wrong. We don't want to hear have the battle. We want to have the argument. And so we're afraid to say anything to them. Rather than doing what was right, it was very important that I made sure I did what I could to get along with everyone. Sometimes we just want to get along. You know, you hear that saying all the time. Why can't we just all get along? Sometimes you go and people don't want to talk about important issues in life because they just want to get along. You know what? I remember getting along with this patient friend of mine that was like my grandfather. We got along really good. But that man died, and he never even knew I was a Christian. It wasn't that important that we got along. It was important that he knew what I knew about the Lord. A lot of serious stuff happened in your life. And one another thing that's been brought to my mind since I've gone through some of this lately is what a great God that we have. In a lot of ways... You can read about how great God is and everything, but he, he shows how great He is. He showed me by my grandchildren how great God is. And you just got to wonder what kind of a God that, that has children. You know, like I'm at the hospital, and I'm so out of it. My kids came and gone. I remember seeing their faces. I didn't even say hi to them. I told them, sure. I said, did I even talk to Shane and Holly? She said, no, you didn't say anything to them. I, I can't believe my kids came and left. I didn't even talk to them. I was so sick. And, uh, you know, just signing all these papers, you know, you could die and all this kind of junk and just faced with all this stuff. And My one three-year-old grandson, Spencer, he come in and he's all bouncy and happy. And he, um, one thing he did is as soon as my grandkids knew I was sick, they started drawing pictures for me, you know, so... And they're all different age levels, so some made PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> they really did. And some of them, you know, just made little scribbles. So this one grandson of mine, Spencer, I just got to wonder, you know, what went through his mind. He came and he had 22 airplanes he drew me. And they were all the same, just two ovals. And every page was exactly the same picture, you know. two They looked like two cigars <laughs> crossed on each other. And why he had 22, you know, and I... And it just brought a joy to my heart. You know, somebody would have came to me and said, you know, uh, I, I, you just want a new car. When I was in the hospital, I could care less if I had a new car. But my little grandson, you know, brought me these 22 airplanes, stapled them all together. He was so excited about it. Another thing he did, he came to the hospital one day. And it's kind of somber, you know, people try to cheer you up and everything, but I was pretty sick and my grandson, Spencer, he comes in. He's bouncing all over, you know. He's like, hey, Papa. I said, what, Spencer? He says, guess what's underneath your bed? I said, what? He says, my shoe. <laughs> you know, I just smiled. My heart was just so warm by that because 
That's the way God wants us to be with him. He wants us to be so innocent that we can take anything. I was going to ask Bill Richardson if it was all right, but I don't think he's here today, has he? But, you know, kids just thrill my heart. You can almost write a book about it. Share and joy, you know, take care of a lot of little kids. And um, So uh, Suzette's granddaughter, um, I can't think of what her name is, Kaylin. Sharon's asking for a prayer request in one of these classes here a few weeks ago. And uh, Kaylin says, I got one. Kaylin, what's your prayer request? Pray for my dad. So okay, what do you want me to pray for? He doesn't know how to yodel. Sarah's <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep a straight face, you know. Okay, doesn't know how to yodel, you know. So she puts down uh, uh, Bill, I think she put down uh, Y, yodel, you know, on the, on the board. And Kayla, of course, she knows how to spell her dad's name. No, his name starts with a B. She says... But I just, kids are so innocent. They come before God with an open heart. They trust God because they believe that God will take care of them. They have no fears at all. They're just totally secure. And that's the way God wants us to come before him. Um, He doesn't want us to come with all these little hidden animosities and God doesn't understand me. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. And he wants us to be a God that loves him and comes to him with joy like that and asks, Lord, would you pray for my dad because he doesn't yodel? And uh, you've got to think what God, God uh, what he thinks about these little kids. But why aren't we like that? Why do we get so hard in our older age? Hard against God. We get hard against our brothers and sisters. We just need to... Start making things right. And I believe this church, kind of like preaching to the choir, but you guys, in a lot of ways, exemplify the love for one another. But just in case, you know, that you've got some grudges against some people, maybe uh, you might want to get that taken care of. Even today, get it taken care of. question is, have you told your wife you loved her? Have you told your children how much they mean to you? And have you told God how much he means to you? When's the last time you did that? So as the Bible says, you're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. My question as I leave you today is, what are you going to do right now to right the wrongs you've been harboring? When are you going to forgive and get, get on with life? What are you going to do right now today to bring honor and glory to the life that God has given you. I'm sorry, to the, guy, to the life that God has given you. I thank you for the time you've given me here. I love you all. I thank you for your prayers. And thank you for being the church that you are. Let's just pray here and we dismiss. Lord, I'm, I'm so thankful that you love me and you take care of me. And that through the seriousness of life, you can bring some humor in our lives with our kids that you give us. I thank you for our kids. I thank you for our pastor. Thank you for each person here. For the people that are so willing to take me to dialysis class or to dialysis treatments. I pray that we be a a testimony to others, Lord, in the joy that you have. I pray the joy that you've given me and given these people here, that we'd be able to share it with one another. 
that it wouldn't be a trial or a tribulation or a guilt trip, but that, you know, boy, we got a great thing, Lord. You've given us, and we want other people to know about it. Thank you for loving us, for loving me. I thank you for my two daughters that have just sacrificed so much um, for me. We ask these things, Lord, in your your name. Amen. Okay, you're dismissed. Have a good week, everyone.